Blog Talk Radio. Today, here on Cincy Business Talk with Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. We'll be talking to business leaders about how they have grown their businesses and people. We discuss new strategies, tactics, and philosophies which lead to positive growth in our marketplace. Our program is sponsored by Sandler Training by Roth & Associates. Each week, we'll talk with our best Cincinnati area top executives about their tools and insights. Our regular listeners will be given the edge that will help them win in a competitive environment which we live. Simple solutions to complex problems which challenge all of us are rarely correct. We will address complex problems or opportunities with appropriate solutions. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth. Thanks, Scott. This is Mike Roth. Uh, I'm here today with John Carroll, one of the co-founders of Aquarius Staffing. Say hi to everyone, John. Hi, everyone. John founded his company back in uh, 2006, not a hell of a long time ago. No. He founded it in a small 700-square-foot basement in your apartment in Oakley. In the apartment. Your first hire was a fellow named uh, Kyle O'Hara, who's currently still with you. He's, he's your director of uh, business development. Yes. And uh, that you hired him back in October 2006. So he's been with you almost the whole time. Uh, actually, the whole time. He, he started the company with me. Okay. So he, so he worked in the apartment too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Aquarius forms a solid business relationships with several members of the Fortune 1000 companies and higher learning institutions in the area, such as First Group America, TriHealth, UC, Health, Kroger's, Miami University, PNC, Macy's, Cintas, Exotica Retail, to name a few of their clients. In uh, 2011, Aquarius increased its internal staff by over 100%, expanding from uh, four employees to eight full-time employees in 2011. Due to recent growth, uh, Aquarius has increased staff uh, placements by over 300% during 2011, and is expected to double again during 2012. That's still accurate? It is. We're halfway through 2012. Yes. Before we go on, tell our listeners about some of the things that we have coming up. Next week, we have Ruth Ellibush, who's a uh, clinical therapist. Ruth is a practitioner of eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, EMDR for short, and she's going to be talking about how our brains work as business professionals and salespeople and We'll be talking about some of the ways that we've used EMDR to dramatically improve salesperson's performance during the most critical times in in selling. On Friday, the 20th of July, we'll have Cliff Blaylock. He's a CPA who specializes in QuickBooks accounting. He's going to be talking about uh, accounting integration. And uh, on the 26th, Thursday, the 26th of July, we're going to have a special guest, uh, Jody Schmidt-Gosseling. Uh, she is the president of the eastern half of Possible Worldwide. That's a 300-person creative agency downtown. And she's someone that you should talk to or her people. Yeah. I'd love to meet up with her sometime. Sure. She she has told me that they have a critical talent shortage of creatives. Oh, do they really? Cincinnati, and they have to import creatives from other markets. I have a couple friends that work for them, actually. Hey, it's a big company. It is a big company. And it's it's surprisingly beautiful location in 
the heart of downtown Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. I never knew it was there. On the 27th, we're going to have Ken Saunders of Search Engine Experts, and he's going to talk about the importance of search engine optimization on the web. August 2nd show is going to be with Rick Slifer. Rick is a guy that I worked with probably... Rick has spent most of his career selling to the federal government and now runs a consulting company in Maryland, Annapolis, Maryland, and he teaches other companies how to sell to the federal government. The last guy I'll tell you about coming up is Don Keller. He is the new president of the Downtown Rotary Club, and Don, Jane Burkett, an ex-Rotary Foundation president, we're going to talk about what the Rotary Club does for the Cincinnati area. So if you're ever thinking about joining a Rotary Club, please listen on August 3rd. Okay, so you started your business in your apartment. Yes. But let me back up on one other place. What gave you the idea to start a recruiting company when there are plenty of other recruiting agencies in the marketplace already? Great question. I actually came from D.C., and uh, I'm originally from Toledo, but moved out to uh, Baltimore, D.C. area after I graduated from Miami. Okay, I can hear it in your accent. <laughs> oh, really? And, uh, yeah, I was out in D.C. for a while. Actually moved out there to work with uh, Cintas Corporation, and mm-hmm. things didn't work out with us there, but um, ended up going to a company by the name of Insight Global, which is a professional staffing company. Um, it was actually their third office. And it's, it's the fastest-growing staffing company, actually, in the nation right now. But uh, started with them. I really didn't know too much about the staffing company or recruiting or anything like that, but just decided, you know, I was, you know, I was young, willing to take a risk on something, so decided to do that and worked with them for about three years and knew that I always wanted to come back to the Midwest. Decided Cincinnati because I had a lot of friends that actually lived in the Cincinnati area Mm -hmm. from Miami University. Sure. So I decided to set up shop here in Cincinnati, and I knew a good friend of mine, Kyle O'Hara, who worked here actually, or who was living here at the time, and decided to partner up with him. And uh, pretty much the rest is history. Okay. So you kind of got the taste of the recruiting industry back in D.C. I did. Probably didn't have any uh, non-compete agreements to worry about. Well, it was a, there was a non-compete agreement, but it was only 200-mile non-compete agreement. I made sure of that before I left. Okay. So you're 500 miles away. Yeah. No uh, problem. I was good to go. I actually told Insight Global that I was going to start my own company. So, so we were good with that. Good. And... In starting the company back in 2006, times were good in 2006, Mm -hmm. did you zero in on on any special markets? Um, Well, we first started as professional technology staffing. Um, That was our first name of our company, was Aquarius Technology Services. Uh, Since been changed to Aquarius Professional Staffing in about the past eight to ten months or so, focusing on, you know, other niche markets here in the area, finance, accounting, uh, executive management, telecommunications, administration. But we did start with just primarily working and targeting technology recruiting. So we worked, that, that's how we got our start with uh, numerous companies in the market here. Uh, but um, like I said, since then, we found out that we were only tip of the iceberg with the staffing industry here in Cincinnati. So we decided to branch out into other industries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So originally it was a, what I like to call IT staffing. Yep, exactly. From the top guy in the IT area down to the programmers. Yeah, we we, fo- we focused more on like the infrastructure side of like IT. We concentrated kind of on the administration side, the engineering side, the support roles, desktop support, help desk. That's how we kind of got our start doing, placing a lot of desktop and, and help desk people here in the area and then eventually moved up into higher level IT positions, you know, like Windows administrators and Unix administrators, uh, developers, you name it, pretty much anything IT related, we, we definitely worked on it and we still do work on it too. So, in, in- 
a lot of recruiting companies uh, never go out to to see their their clients. Do you guys do face-to-face uh, visits with prospective clients? Absolutely. That's all that uh, Kyle O'Hara actually does. He is our he is our director of business development, and he is the face of our company right now. He goes out and forms these business relationships with all of our clients, and he is out on the road 90% of the time, you know, checking in with them, seeing how things are going, as well as forming new business relationships with you know potential clients. Okay, and, and then the, your in-house staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are people that are finding the the people who are looking for a new job. Yep, that is the that is the second part of our business. Um, first part is obviously bringing the business in, which Kyle does, and then the second part is obviously you know uh, you know supporting that and and doing the recruiting for these positions, and and that's what we do here in the office. We we started with uh, myself, Kyle, and uh, my brother Pat. Since then, we've grown to eight people, eight full time recruiters now. Uh, actually, ninth is going to be starting here in about two weeks. Okay, and these these are people on the inside who call out. And they're looking for people who are looking for a new job. Exactly. Whether you're finding them on Monster.com or CareerBuilder or other sites that sure. I, LinkedIn. Yeah, LinkedIn's a, a a great informational site. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We, we've been using LinkedIn a lot more, especially over the past year. What we've realized is a lot of people are not posting the resumes on these job boards anymore, like CareerBuilder and Monster. Why don't you tell everyone why? people who are looking for a new job, in your opinion, would not post on a monster or career builder board? There's a couple different reasons. One, because of people like us, because of companies like us. There are a lot a lot of competition out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they post their if they post their resume online, they are getting probably twenty, thirty calls a day from different recruiters about possibly the same position or different positions. So they try to limit that by just, you know, being more passive and posting, you know, saying that they're interested in career opportunities on LinkedIn or also getting their name out with, like, other businesses through referrals and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. We've, uh, we work with a lot of sales professionals here, business owners and managers. One of the things that we've noticed over the last uh, at least three years is that people who are unhappy in sales in their job but good at sales, mm-hmm. things that make them unhappy are... Uh, well, John, you know, last year you sold a million dollars. You made a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. You did a great job. Next year's commission plan is going to require you to sell one point five million dollars to mm-hmm. make the same hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. Good luck. Keep up the good work. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. That conversation goes on a lot here. Those sales winners. You know, on a scale of one to ten, everything in Sandler is rated on a one to ten. The top guys. The A players, the A plus players, the tens and the nines, and maybe, maybe even the eights. Mm-hmm. They're smart enough to figure out that if they post their resume on a monster or career builder, their boss or their boss's HR department is going to find them. That's true too. There's actually a confidential um, option on these sites too that you can keep your resume confidential. You can keep uh, you don't know anything about the per- you don't know the person's name. You don't have access to their phone number, email address. Or anything, and uh, all you can see is kind of like what they're doing right now on their resume. They can even keep the current client where they're working right now confidential. So right, but as a recruiter, you can still search them. We can still search them, but the only way we can reach out to them is a generic email. So whether they want to contact us back or not is up to them. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess a lot of people in sales are a little nervous about that, and you know, we found that there, there are other methods to find the best people because mm-hmm. they're out there, and they are sensitive to 
the right opportunities, but they want to keep their uh, current attitude. That, that's how a lot of people are, and especially information technology, is they're always interested in new opportunities, no matter what. They could be the happiest in the world with their current client or where they're working, but they're always interested in something else, uh, just seeing what's out there. Right. Well, John, we're going to take a, a short two-minute break here, and then we'll be right back. Why do some business owners make lots of money while others endure years of mediocrity? Is it really the economy, the market, the weather, the competition? No. These are all called excuses which are always plentiful. Hi, I'm Mike Roth, founder of Roth & Associates. I'm the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. As a business owner or part of a team, are you accepting excuses from your sales team because you make them yourself? Business winners succeed in spite of this trash. Business winners invest in themselves and their people. For over 15 years, we've been coaching, training, and challenging professionals who are 100% committed to long-term sales growth and profitability, no matter what it takes. If you're deadly serious about increasing your sales, call me at 513-646-6523. I'm the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. To find out how Sandler training can make you better, faster, and stronger, call 513-646-6523. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. Many salespeople tell us business was really easy. They likened it to gathering fruit in an orchard full of ripe trees. They gathered the low-hanging fruit. They had to get baskets to pick up the fruit that was already fallen. They never had to climb a tree. They worked this way for 10 or 15 years. Given the strong economy, this was no problem. What are you hearing now? The economy has slowed down. Salespeople are competing on price. There's still business now, but salespeople have to work harder. The fruit has not fallen from the tree, and there's no low-hanging fruit. The fruit is there, but it's higher up in the tree. The problem is their salespeople have forgotten how to climb. Do your salespeople know how to climb? If you or your team needs to learn how to climb through and up out of tough economic times, call me, Mike Roth, at 513-646-6523, or check our website at RothConsulting.net. This is Mike Roth. I'm back here with John Carroll. Uh, John, because I forgot to do it, why don't you tell the folks how they can get a hold of you? Uh, well, they can they can always go to our website. We actually just um, upgraded our website a couple months ago. It's uh, www.aquarius-staffing.com. That's usually the easiest way. Um, on the website, we Aquarius-staffing. Exactly. Yeah, I made that mistake. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Some people do. But, uh, yeah, it's brand new. It actually uh, does a good job of outlining, like, the, the services that we do and kind of, you know, how we started and, and, and some of our clients that we work with. It also has a good list of, like, job opportunities that we're currently working on right now for people that are currently looking for new opportunities that they can apply for. Okay. So if someone is looking for, casually looking for, seriously looking for a new opportunity, mm-hmm. you actually do list some opportunities that, that you guys are working on. All of our current openings are listed on our website right now. Really? Yes. That's great. That's great. So that's a good site for people to keep in mind. Certainly. We have probably about 25, 30 current openings right now. Mm. Now, you said earlier that your co-founder, he goes out and he talks to companies and he's the guy who finds the openings. Mm -hmm. What are you seeing in the marketplace now? Is the marketplace full of opportunities? Is the marketplace growing? Or are people holding back hiring new people? It's a night and day difference compared to 2009, 2010. I mean, obviously with the recession especially in the service, uh, staffing industry, it, it took a huge hit to us. 
um, people were laying, you know, employees off, uh, and and we were we were definitely getting hit pretty hard with that. Uh, since then, in 2011, things have really come around uh, dramatically. Our sales have increased tenfold, and uh, we are finding a lot of opportunities right now, more than what we can actually handle. So um, people are actually uh, on the hiring side pulling the trigger and saying, "Okay, I got this open requisition for a a tech in uh, search engine optimization." Mm-hmm. What a lot of companies did um, in 2009 and 2010 is held their budgets for upgrades, migrations, things like that, things that they were supposed to do those years but decided not to just for you know, obvious reasons, financial reasons. Uh, they did a lot of that in 2011, and they're doing a lot of that right now because in order for these companies to stay on top of the game, they have to have the latest and greatest equipment. So um, they usually do these kind of things every two, three, four years, and uh, we've been seeing a lot of that lately. So it has... Migration to the cloud uh, affected your business at all? Uh, not, I mean, it's it's definitely increased business, sure. Increased business, because they're they're always looking for for uh, those type of technicians. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good. So you, you see the marketplace as dramatically growing. Uh, in in information technology and finance and accounting, yes. Okay. How about other areas that you serve? Uh, that's hard to say because we are newer to these markets. Um, we don't really, you know, 90% of our, like, our business comes from information technology. So that's the only, like, the only industry that I can kind of talk professionally about right now. But okay, so that's where you've had the background experience over the last four or five years. Exactly, exactly. Finance and accounting, I, I know that there there's definitely a need and a market for that right now. Um, we are in the process of, you know, trying to find and form business relationships with those type of clients right now so we can start working on those. There's always a need for administrative assistance, administration side, and and executive management, too. And that's the reason why we've gotten into those markets. Hmm. Executive management generally would be a a job title area where I feel like you're talking about people who are earning more than $100,000 a year. Higher level, yes. Uh, So we're talking about, like, uh, directors, Directors, uh, VP level people. VP Um, level where you're talking about Two hundred thousand dollars a year. Yes. So you are working in that market as sure. well. Mm-hmm. Sure. And, and you see, and you see that that companies are aggressively attempting to fill jobs that they didn't fill. They do, especially the bigger ones. A lot, a lot of the companies like to promote from within, but sometimes the need is so great, and they just don't have anybody to fill those shoes that they do have to reach out to a company like us to help them and assist them with that. Mm-hmm. So is most of your work done on a contingency basis or a retained basis? Well, what we do is we, we have a couple different forms of, of how we do business with our clients. One is with the contracting side of things, um, where we just where, where, the, where the people are straight contra- contractors with us, mm-hmm. uh, consultants, so they're W-2 employees of our company working on site with our client. And then the other side is just direct placement. Where so we, let's see with the first one. They're a direct employee of Aquarius Staffing. They are a W-2 employee of our company working on-site with our client. And therefore, you're going to cover whatever associated benefit costs and or taxes. Taxes. Workers' un- comp. Un- workers' comp, unemployment tax. Um, we, we take care of all of that, which the reason why a lot of companies reach out to to uh, you know, a company like us is because we handle all of that burden. Mm-hmm. Well, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. And... That's the first way that you work. What's the second way? The second way is direct placement, where when we find somebody for our clients, they uh, become a full-time employee directly with a client right away from day one. Mm -hmm. So they're never a W-2 employee of our company. They start with our client. 
on first day of employment. On the first day of employment. They're, they're working for the client. Exactly. Uh, do you do anything else? Um, well, the, the third part is uh, contract to hire. And that's actually been an option that is uh, really appealing to a lot of our clients because it's a kind of a try before you buy for them. Um, mm-hmm. they, they bring them in as a contractor, as a W-2 employee of our company, mm-hmm. um, testing them out for three months, four months, five months, six months, however long it is. Um, a, lot of things, a, lot, a lot of these people have kind of uh, mastered the art of interviewing, but what they don't see, you know, are kind of the intangibles of these people. You know, they might be superstars the first couple of weeks, you know, producing great, you know, showing up on time. Everybody loves them, and then they start slacking off a little bit. Right. And, you know, their true colors start showing. So it, it takes some time for these companies to see these people, you know, in the true limelight. And sometimes they're just like, oh, you know, we probably don't want to invest full-time employment in this person. So that's why they like to do the contract to hire, where they just test them out. Like I said, try before you buy, um, just to see if they are exactly who they say they are in the interview. And if they're going to be a good good fit, good match for the company. Does a, a client pay a premium for that? extra service uh no i mean uh what we usually do is uh, our terms are usually six month contract to hire mm-hmm. um sometimes there's a negotiation or, or wiggle room but if if they stay a contractor with us for six months you know after after that you know six months they have free reign to bring them on as a full-time employee right away sometimes there's buyout options you know if they we agree to six months terms and they say you know after three months just being like this guy's a rock star we want to bring him on right away uh we we have no problem negotiating with them, you know, you know, just just some sort of rate. We never try to get in the way of you know somebody getting a full time position. Sure, that's that, that's really good. What happens if someone comes on? And we see this in in sales a lot, where someone interviews like Tom Cruise, mm-hmm. or someone better, and on the first day of work or the first week of work, they wind up with a Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> right. What's the employer? supposed to do in that situation uh if it's a contract or if it's a direct placement well let's let's deal with both because that's real world there are well, people who interview well mm-hmm. sure but, but they don't work quite as well sure well the great thing about uh contracting is is if they you know if they are a superstar in the beginning and a week later they just find out oh you know we made a mistake they can just cut them loose and it's you know it is what it is it's, it's not a huge investment to them but if it's a direct placement, um, you know, we usually offer, you know, 15 to 30 day guarantee on the people um, just to make sure that they work out and, you know, every, everything is good with them. So a guarantee means the employer can get a replacement employee for from you if it was a full-time employee exactly. at no additional charge. Exactly. That's um, exactly what we do. That's great. You know, have you ever had to, to make good on that guarantee? Uh, we have a couple of times. Really? Um, sure. You know, it, it happens where people do not work out and uh, we are true to our word. You know, for one reason or another, things do not work out for, you know, for an employee or a company. And uh, we say we'll either backfill the person or refund their money. Does it ever work out that the uh, employee comes back to you and says, you know, I don't like working at this company so much? Uh, it hasn't yet. Knock on wood. Okay. Um, it seems like uh, the employees are, are pretty happy with where they're placed. Um, and usually it's, it's a pretty stringent interview process, um, mm-hmm. especially with our side of things. We, we definitely run them through the ringer before we introduce them to our client. 
So what does run through the ringer mean? Uh, we, I mean, we go through a series, not really test, but we, we definitely speak with them on the phone numerous times. We have a couple people speak with them on the phone a couple times. Uh, we, um, we always check professional references, and we're not talking about friends or, or anything like that. We, we talk with their either current managers or past managers, somebody that's had a direct you know, working relationship with this person or has managed the person. And then we, you know, we also bring them in-house to do face-to-face interviews with them just to check out their intangibles. Okay, so you do bring them into your office here in Cincinnati so that you guys can meet them. If yeah, if they're local. We've been doing a lot of work um, you know, regionally and nationwide actually. So mm-hmm. what we do is we set up we set up Skype um Skype conferences with them and we actually have a Skype room in our office um where we just perform, you know, Skype interviews with them just to see it's it's a good way for us to know who we're working with and they can see who they're working with as well. Um, and like I said, it's just, you know, it, it's checking out their intangibles, making sure, you know, they're professional, they're professionally dressed, you know, they're going to be a good representation on our company. So you actually set up a Skype interview? Sure. If the guy lives in Denver for a job in Chicago? Sure, absolutely. We did one with Seattle. We we, we did one with uh, Dallas a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. And that's worked out well for you? Sure, sure. Yeah, it's uh, so far so good. I mean, we don't we don't expect them to you know drive to uh, Cincinnati to meet with us for fifteen twenty minutes. So Skype has definitely been working out for us really well. Good. And it's and it definitely works out for us. You know, not even not nationwide, but you know, people that live in Dayton mm-hmm. or Columbus or you know down in Louisville or Lexington or something. Well, that's a like two that. hour drive. Sure, oh, it's, it's a long drive, definitely. And uh, a lot you know some of our Skypes have to do with uh, after hours because people cannot get away from their current positions right now. Mm-hmm. Do you have a address code for Skype? Uh, we don't. We always tell them, you know, business, you know, business casual. Um, obviously, when they show up for the real interview with our client, we always tell them business professional. And we always have to, you know, business professional means a lot, a lot of different things to different people. So we have to, you know, follow that up by saying business professional means you're wearing a suit jacket, you're wearing a tie, you're wearing nice pants, you know, nice shoes, everything like that, because people might think that, you know, jeans and a T-shirt might be business professional. So it's amazing, you know, the, the types of people that we run into. Mm-hmm. Just as a as a curiosity, do you actually record the Skype uh, interviews for the employees to re- review? No. No, we don't. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. Well, let's take a another short break, and I think let's listen to a Sandler Rule. We'll listen to one Sandler Rule, and then we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Rich Isaac from Sandler Training, and I'm here to talk about rule number 15. The best presentation you ever give is the one the prospect will never see. Now, let's start by talking about the fact that that rule should not be taken literally. Of course, there's an appropriate time to talk about your products, your services, your solutions, your prices. What happens is that most salespeople simply talk about it too soon. The prospective client will say things to them like, show me what you have, tell me what you can do. And the salesperson, eager to show their credibility and to show their product knowledge, will go into presentation mode. And there's two problems with that. Number one, it's too early to make a presentation because the salesperson isn't knowledgeable enough about the particular situation the prospective client is facing. And second of all, it comes off like a sales pitch. And if there's one thing that prospective clients can't stand, it's someone making a pitch at them trying to convince them. Is there a better way, a better way to show your knowledge and build credibility with the prospective client? Actually, there are two ways. First is you can learn to ask 
better questions, more insightful questions. And second, you can learn to tell stories, meaningful stories that the prospective client will be able to relate to. Let me give you an example. Let's assume that I sell software to help companies run their warehouses more effectively. I might say, Sam is the Vice President of Operations. I'm wondering if you ever run into these issues. A lot of people tell me that they have a real balancing act between reducing their inventory expense and still being able to handle just-in-time delivery. It's really challenging for them. Others tell me that they have a difficult time getting their staff to follow the procedures in their warehouse as exactly and effectively as they could. Now, before I go on, I'm wondering if you can relate to either of those two things. Now, what did I just accomplish? Through simply telling a story and asking a simple question, I was able to show my credibility, show my knowledge, show my understanding of their business. In essence, I presented information in such a way that they got those things without me coming off like a salesperson making a pitch. Remember, if you want to really be the most credible professional salesperson, learn to tell better stories and ask better questions. Remember, if you get good at both of those things, the best presentation you ever give is the one the prospect will never see. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with uh, John Carroll. And uh, that was Sam the Rule number 15. John, out there in the marketplace right now, you're dealing with a I call it two-sided sales. You have to sell the company on one side, and then you have to sell the prospective employee on the other to work for that company. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, on each side of that, what do you see people looking for? As in, let's take the employer first. What are they looking for? The employer. Yeah. What are the in general? Don't no names. But what what are the, what are employers telling you? Uh, they're obviously looking for good talent. They're looking for team leaders or team members, people willing to work within a team. I mean, that that is definitely a big thing. Information technology is a team environment. Um, a lot of people like to go off and just do their own thing, um, where they're looking for more more people that are you know willing to uh, you know be part of a team, help each other out. You know, and if, if there's if there's a problem in one department, they'll be able to you know lend a helping hand, things like that. Um, they're looking for also good communicators too, just people that have good communication skills, people that are you know that will work well with others. Um, uh, yeah, bottom line is just, that's that's pretty much what they're looking for right now, and they're obviously looking for people that are skilled in their industry too. I mean, the years of experience definitely helps out. Years of experience is a critical one. Uh, one of the things that uh, kind of scratches my head is uh, the certifications in the IT world. Mm-hmm. Uh, are they really important? Are employers seriously going to disqualify a good candidate because they don't have the right certifications? It depends on the company. It, some of our clients are just, they are very, very certification-driven because they, they might be a consulting company working on site for another company um, where the, the other company requires these people to have these certifications. It always looks good to have these certifications. If you ask me personally, I I would change... I would take years of experience over certifications any day of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, not not saying certifications are wrong or anything like that. I that they definitely help you and help your career out, and it definitely you know provides you a, you know kind of a leg up sometimes with with these companies. But I don't think personally that they are necessary. It depends on the job. Uh, as a as a company, Sandler is going to personal certifications in both sales and sales management 
at various levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll be implemented before uh, the beginning of the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. so that people who've been in Sandler training can get themselves certified in that Sandler methodology, mm-hmm. and it'll be, uh, if you would, gold, silver, gold, uh, platinum type levels of certification uh, in both sales and sales management. I kind of think that's a a good thing to have on the resume. When we do uh, get these job requirements, um, sometimes they say that, you know, a certification is required. Like if we're looking for a project manager, they are saying we do need somebody with a PMP certification. Or if we're looking for, you know, a systems engineer, we are looking for somebody that has, you know, an MCSE or an MCSA certification. Oftentimes, you know, employers come and say that's just a plus. If they have it, it's just a plus to have, but it's not a necessity. So it's just, like I said, it depends on the client. It just depends on the type of person that they're looking for, too. Now, let's flip that over and say, on the prospective employee side, mm-hmm. uh, what are people telling you now? What, what are the candidates saying to your recruiters? As in, what do you mean exactly? Um, are they saying, I, you know, I'm happy where I am, uh, I'm just looking for more money, or are they... Uh, looking for the next technical challenge because they feel that you know where they where they work now they've worked on SharePoint for the last five years and sure. six different levels and they're tired and they want to go on to the next uh, level of technical challenge. Well, let's be honest. Everybody's always looking for more money, and that's the reason why people are always passive looking for new p- positions. But uh, some of the reason why people are uh, looking for new opportunities is maybe they feel like they've plateaued in the current, you know, the current company that they are right now. There's no way for them to be promoted up into the next level, or they feel like they are burnt out in the technology that they are currently working with right now. Like SharePoint, they've been working with it for the past five, seven years, and they're just like, all right, enough already with this. So, and they're looking for something else. So there, there's a wide variety of reasons why people are looking. Uh, money is, I would say, first and foremost, though. Yeah. I noticed that most of your clients uh, on your client list are larger companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you work with smaller companies as well? We never turn down business. Uh, we we work Good with... Good policy. Oh, sure, sure, especially for a company that's only five and a half years old. But uh, most of our, I would say, 80% of our business does come from Fortune 1000 clients, but we do have probably 20% that have come from small to medium-sized companies. Um, so we... we we take what we can get right now. Um, just a lot of a lot of the consulting and things like that usually happen with these with these larger clients. So, what percentage of your business would you say is coming from larger employers? Uh, right now, I would say from larger employers like Fortune 1000, I'd probably 80 percent. Hmm. Interesting. I didn't expect it was going to be that high. Uh, you know, you, you said that you just had a uh, a new internet website rewrite. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you incorporate uh, search engine optimization in in your uh, rewrite? Uh sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, did did you do that internally, or do you do that internally? Well, we have uh, we actually had a friend design this website for us, and she kind of helped us do do that kind of stuff. So um, we also have a. Uh, uh, a person that works with us right now that that's that's big into that kind of stuff with like the Google and stuff. So so he definitely helps us with that. So this is an employee mm-hmm. that does that for you. That's good. Now 
uh, on the internet, social media, what's your strategy? The strategy that you feel comfortable in sharing. You mean with like the Facebook and the Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn? And, yeah. Um, uh, like as a recruiting company, I think LinkedIn has a rather expensive eight or nine thousand dollar a year recruiters package. We do not buy into that. Uh, we actually just, uh, we're, I guess we're part of the old school where um, we 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 just do everything. Everybody has their own individual account. Um, we do have a uh, a page designed uh, for us on, on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. um, but we don't buy into that recruiting package or anything with LinkedIn. We also have a Twitter page as well, um, and we also have one person in our office that does have uh, the capabilities of updating that every single day. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Twitter page? You mean a Twitter, a Twitter account? account? Yeah. Okay, I mean. good. I thought I had missed something because we only have a Twitter account. No, no. Yeah, exactly. Uh, how many people are you connected with on Twitter? Uh, I don't know. You would have to ask, talk to Andrew. I'm just curious. In uh, in your internet strategy, do you use pay per click? No. Really? Interesting. <laughs> um, my neighbor here spends twenty thousand a month on pay per click. Well, that's probably the reason why we don't. But he brings in eighty thousand dollars well. for the twenty thousand spent. Mm. I've got to tell him it's great because he doesn't have to pay any salespeople to get it. That's pretty good. No, uh, we we do not use that. Okay. Uh, is, is that, that's probably not a direction you're going to go. Not anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have how many recruiters now? Uh, we have uh, six full-time recruiters right now. Six, six full-time right now. And if we were talking a year from now and business continued the way it is, how many recruiters would you have? In a year from now, mm-hmm. uh, in a perfect world, we perfect would, world, we would, we would, uh, I would love to double in size here in the next year. I would like to add, um, I would probably like to add another six, um, and then also uh, either promote from within or um, bring in some new business developers that can help Kyle out, uh, especially with the finance and accounting side and telecommunications and executive searching. Mm-hmm. So he is kind of spread a little thin right now, trying to you know meet with all these people and develop these new business relationships, and uh, I think he needs a little help right now. So uh, we we are definitely looking for for the next business developer. Good, good. Tell Kyle to go across the street, across the hole, like I did. Did I tell you what happened after no. I left your place? No. Uh, as I walked out, I see this company name on the door opposite yours. Sure. And I said, damn. That's an old President's Club members company. Oh, really? i got to go in there and see what's going on. Yeah. So I walked in. My client had moved to your building. Huh, interesting. And uh, instead of being uh, the two owners who programmed and installed everything, they had about six programmers, and he's expanding like crazy. So you got a prospect right there in your building. That's that is true, and uh, we have actually talked to them about that. Uh, and they are looking for uh, what everybody, I think, in the city of Cincinnati and maybe even the nation are looking for right now is programmers, software developers, software engineers. That there is a huge shortage of that right now, especially in Cincinnati. Really, everybody is looking for Java developers and J2E and you know all of that kind of stuff right now. And there's just there's just so many openings right now, and just not enough you know, talent out there to be able to support those. And what we tell them is just like, we, you know, we'll try and work on it. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what we can do, but we cannot promise anything. 
Mm-hmm. Are you actually uh, finding people out of town that are willing to move to Cincinnati? That's, you know, we uh, we do, uh, you know, and we tell them about the position, and then, you know, everybody's always very, very interested. Like, these Chicago people are always very intrigued with the position, and then we tell them it's in Cincinnati, and they're just like, okay, I don't think I'm going to do that. So, uh, you know, it, it, it is it is what it is because there obviously are, are far more you know, openings in Chicago than there are in Cincinnati, and they, they can just stay put there. Um, so, yeah, it's it's tough right now. It is it's definitely a tough market and tough to find those people um, in the in that industry right now. There was actually a, uh, a business courier uh, write up about it, probably I would say about two months ago or so, where there's just this extreme shortage of those people out in this market right now. Hmm. I wonder if one of the uh, the technical colleges could be turning out the type of people you you need. I hope so. Whether it's uh, Cincinnati State or uh, the ITT Institute, mm-hmm. it seems like they should be turning out the ty- types of people you need, in, or even Brown Mackey in unlimited they, quantity. And they do. They definitely do. Um, but the, the one key um, sticking point, though, with those people is they do have the background, they do have the knowledge, but they do not have the years of experience. And that's kind of the sticking point that these companies are, we're looking for somebody that has at least seven years of development experience in these type of softwares. So it's, it's hard to find those people that have seven years of experience or 10 years of experience. Then you got to say my favorite thing. Cincinnati is one of the best kept secrets in America. You're going to love moving to Cincinnati. I agree. You know, I came here 20 years ago uh, on a two-year commitment with my wife. I said, we'd stay two years. And if I don't like Cincinnati, we'll leave it. I right? love Cincinnati. Hey, I, I, I do it. too. I've been here 20 years That's, it, on it, a two-year gig. This is a great city. Yeah, I, I, I really like being here. So, um. Good, John. We're going to take a, a short break, and uh, then we're going to be back. Hi, I'm Bob Sinton of Sandler Training. I'm here today to talk to you about rule number 14. A prospect who is listening is no prospect at all. You may have heard this before, but Dave Sandler told me a long time ago that you should follow the rule called 70-30 rule, where the client talks or the prospect talks 70% of the time and you, the salesperson, talk 30% of the time. Most salespeople I run into in my 30 years of doing this understand that. The problem with it is how do you go about doing it? Well, most if not all salespeople know their features and benefits and the, uh, the power of what their company can provide clients. Um, so it's easy for them to uh, explain their features and benefits to a client. The problem with that is it doesn't necessarily elicit responses from a client. So what we have to train ourselves to do to be more successful and more professional is take your features and benefits and phrase it and structure it in such a way where it actually elicits a conversational response from your client. For example, a feature and benefit of your company may, may uh, include uh, you can reduce expenses and save them some overhead and, and save your clients some money in the uh, long term or short term. Well, a lot of people can say that. That's on your website. It's on your brochure. A more effective way is to say, hey, Ed, can I ask you a question? Uh, what we've done with companies and individuals like yourself is help save them money with some software that helps them reduce expenses, uh, get rid of waste, and adds more money to their bottom line. Uh, Do you have anything like that happening here? And if so, can you tell me a little bit about it? 
Um, what that question does is it obviously elicits initially a yes or no response, but then it quickly goes down the tunnel of what I like calling a conversational uh, dialogue, if you will, between salesperson and client, and you find yourself talking only 30% of the time, and the client ends up talking 70% of the time, and that creates a, a more of a win-win relationship. And that's Sandler rule number 14, a prospect who is listening is no prospect at all. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with uh, John Carroll with Aquarius uh, Staffing. John, uh, one of my favorite questions to ask CEOs like yourself is, you know, our, our thesis here is that there are no simple solutions to complex problems that work reliably. And when you have a complex problem, you need to have a complex solution. Uh, perhaps in your experience, you've experienced this, where you have a complex pro problem and you've come up with a complex solution to solve it, but the theory of operation of that complex solution is applicable across a broad spectrum of companies. Sure. Something like that in your world? Uh, absolutely. I mean, obviously, you know, being a business owner, you're going to come across a lot of problems. Um, I think uh, uh, the biggest one, uh, biggest problem that we face probably over the past couple of years uh, because of our, you know, uh, drastic growth is, uh, you know, cash flow problems. And um, uh, unfortunately, I haven't come up with a 100% solution for it. Uh, we were able to weather the storm a little bit, but we grew so dramatically over the course of a couple months that we were just running out of money. And we did have a business line of credit with a larger bank here in the area. And, uh, you know, it just gets to the point where we're shelling out this money. Well, okay, so let's, so let's talk about the reason you were shelling out the money was because you were paying, paying our consultants. You put people onto your payroll. Exactly. And you couldn't bill for their services until after the work week was finished, so to speak. Exactly. And then when you bill, obviously when you invoice a client, it, you know, the client is usually a net 30, which means that they're a net 60. That's what I've learned. Uh, or net 90 or 120 or whatever. So sometimes, you know, you know, we're at the mercy of the client to pay the invoices. So every single week we are paying our consultants, but not necessarily re receiving you know, the receivables back from the client until, you know, maybe two, three, four months down the road. So we were kind of running into a little bit of a problem with Could that. Could be a major problem. Huge problem. And it, I guess it's a problem that a lot more small businesses, especially in the service industry, face uh, than, than you think. But uh, it was, uh, it got to a point where, you know, pretty bad, where I pretty much had to deplete all of my personal savings funds and everything like that just to meet payroll. But we were able to weather the storm. We we definitely got an increase from the from the uh from our for our business line of credit. But you know, at the time that it was happening, you know, our the bank was kind of a little skeptical. They, you know, they thought, you know, a company that rises as quickly as we do will plummet just as fast. And they were very, very scared to see like, you know, uh, how we were going to, you know, how how we were going to overcome this and, and try to do it ourselves. But they were able to help us out a little bit. And, you know, looking back, I and mean, I wish I would have paid a little bit more attention in, you know, my accounting and finance classes at Miami. So I would have known this and predicted this. But, you know, sometimes this this stuff you, you, you just don't know is going to happen. So um, the problem was uh, cash flow management. Sure. And And how did you solve the problem? Because taking the money out of your pocket, 
I could see from the expression on your face you didn't like doing that. Well, I didn't, I didn't mind it at all. It's my company. I'm willing to take that risk in, in that investment because I believe in it so much. But okay, uh, so you're not married? <laughs> no, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> no, no. I had uh, a but, wife might have said, uh, "Stop taking our money out, just putting it into this rat hole of a company." At at the uh, at the greatest part of the problems back in 2011, I think I had two dollars and fifty cents to my name. So. It it got to the point where it was it was down to the wire, but um, we really didn't have a solution. We just kind of prayed and hoped that our clients would pay, and you know they did. So you know it, it, it's worked out for us um, in the past. Knock on wood. But um, it, you know it's it's going to happen again. I know it will, um, and that that's part of growing. That's part of the growing pains of starting a business. Is if you are looking to grow and grow at a rate of what we're looking to do over the next two, three, four, five years we are going to have to experience and know that we're going to come across cash flow problems. So that's my job to worry about that. And I have definitely had a lot of sleepless nights with it. So have you, have you had conversations with banks and other financial institutions about providing um, the equivalent of bridge loans to cover the payroll? We do. Um, I, I always keep my options open to meet with other, other banks. Um, I'm pretty loyal to the current bank that I'm with right now. Um, they were the ones that took a risk on us. Um, mm -hmm. They did not have to. I went to probably when I was starting the company five to six banks here in the area, mm -hmm. some local, some nationwide banks, and seventy-five percent of them laughed me out of the room. They didn't think that you know I was worth anything, uh, worth taking a risk on, until the bank that we're working with right now is just like you know what you're, you're worth the risk. We'll, we'll take a you know we'll take a risk on you guys. So, so did they take a risk on you, or did they make you sign a personal guarantee and sign away? Uh, recourse on your house, your car, everything else you owned. That's the problem. I didn't have any collateral. So I, I was renting an apartment. I owned, you know, half of my car. You know, so I did not have any collateral whatsoever. So they literally took a risk on me. Um, we had to put up a little bit of collateral uh, that was kind of funded by my parents, but um, nothing nowhere near, you know, that we were supposed to. So um, they definitely, yeah, I, I, owe, I owe a lot to the bank, definitely. Good. Sounds like you've got a good relationship with that bank. I do. I, I don't think I'll ever leave them. You don't want to give them a plug, though. Well, I, I don't know if I'm... <laughs> am I allowed? Well, they, 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 they were good for you. That, that, that's a positive thing about doing business in Cincinnati. Sure. They got to know you. They got to know your business. And they were willing to take a risk. It's it's PNC Bank. Wow. Yep. That's great. It was formerly, actually, uh, National City, but... PNC acquired them, you know, back in 2010, I believe, 2009, maybe. 2008 or 2009, maybe. Yeah. Okay, okay. Because we did a lot of, we actually did a lot of work with them in 2008. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, they were acquired in 2009, that is correct. But yeah, PNC Bank, I, everything that I have is with them right now. Well, that's great to hear that. Because I, I almost think of them as a local bank because of their history mm -hmm. coming out of National City that they... We're willing to take a chance on a new business. Mm -hmm. They help fund your company. Yep. And they're the reason why we're here. And now you're, from what you're saying here, you're totally loyal to them. Oh, absolutely. We should make PNC buy a commercial of the show. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have any problem with that. We can, we can call Keith Crawl. Okay. Uh, that that's good. Uh, as you think about your business uh, and taking it out to the next level. Because you said you wanted to double again in size, mm -hmm. 
Uh, where do you see your business five years from now? No, that's a great question. Um, I've we, been accused of that a lot. We 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 have uh, we've knocked around many ideas. Um, uh, we thought about uh, that there was we went through a time where we thought about possibly you know going to different markets, you know tackling maybe like Lexington, Louisville area, or or Indianapolis, or Chicago, or Columbus, and just setting up an office there. Or uh, the other option is, you know, we're here in Cincinnati. Why don't we just try and capitalize on this market? and make Aquarius a household name here in Cincinnati, um, where we not only provide, you know, information technology staffing, but we do the full gamut because there's, uh, there's so many types of staffing out there that we have not even touched. I mean, there's staffing companies for staffing companies. So we, you know, we're only IT, finance, and accounting right now. I mean, Staffing companies for staffing companies? Oh, yeah. My old staffing company used to use them. Really? Oh, sure. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, to find, like, recruiters and account managers and things like that, oh, absolutely. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we what we want to do right now, and I think what we're looking to do here is, you know, really, really become aggressive in the Cincinnati market. And not only with just IT, but, you know, focus on, like, everything else. And that's the reason why we've taken our company and gone from technology services to professional staffing, you know, working on, you know, Getting our name out there with all types of staffing. So, are you going to go into the healthcare staffing? In the that is one industry I, I, I have no idea. Maybe I, you know that, I can't say no to it. There's money in that industry. I, I heard there is. Are there any other industries that uh, you see as uh, desirable to be in? Um, in for, in terms of staffing, staffing, sure. Um. I, you know, I haven't really given it a lot of thought because where our thought and where where our focus is right now is getting, you know, our finance and accounting side up to where our IT side is right now. Mm-hmm. Um, getting that going, you know, making sure that is, you know, you know just a good side of our, our a good division to be working. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, if we can get finance and accounting that way, and then we can get possibly, uh, you know, the telecommunications side that way, mm-hmm. maybe the executive management side. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd be interested in, you know, possibly going into engineering side of, of staffing um, and uh, because I know that there's there's a great deal of engineering staffing here in Cincinnati, mm-hmm. um, and po- you know, possibly into the healthcare side, you know, the nurses and doctors and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, that could be a, a, a tremendous marketplace. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and that's the reason why um, that's the reason why we decided to stay put here in Cincinnati for the time being, at least is because we just feel like, you know, we have a good thing going here in the city. Uh, we, we, you know, my job is to try and get the Aquarius name out to as many people as possible. Where When they hear the name Aquarius, they know that we're a professional staffing company. When we first started and we were calling people, you know, we said that we represented Aquarius and they thought that we were a pool management company or a boating company or something like that. So we're starting to finally get our name out there where people know that we're staffing services. That's an interesting uh, point. Uh why did you pick Aquarius as the name of the company? I have no idea. I don't know. I, I, I think it reminds me of a Broadway show. The reason why is I, I think because I was a swimmer, um, and and the person you know, my partner Kyle was also a swimmer. Uh, we were actually com- uh, competitors against each other in college, uh, but uh, I think you know the word Aquarius water, you know, just kind of like flowed that way. Oh, is it aqua? There you go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, you know, I, 
coming up with a business name, I, I never really thought that was going to be a challenging thing, but it, it was, and, and especially a, a name that nobody has used also. So uh, that it was, it was a little bit difficult to come up with it, but, you know, it seems like it, it works out. You got AquariusStaffing.com. Did you have to buy that, or was that available? It was available. Yeah. That's great. Yep, Aquarius-staffing. Dash-staffing. There you go. Oh, someone else has Aquarius-staffing, one word? Uh, No, but I think the S's overlap, so it kind of looks a little weird. Uh, Okay. We also found out two years into uh, working that there was already Aquarius Technology Services, and they were in Denver, but we were kind of just like, okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Have you have, so you, you've thought about expanding to other, other cities, but haven't thought about the format? No, we haven't, and that's a huge it's 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 a huge financial risk to start a new office in a new city. Namely, because uh, most of the reason because like you're, you're going into an industry and you're starting from scratch again. Mm-hmm. And we knew exactly what it was like in 2006 to start something new and it is not easy to do and you you have to be prepared to take an enormous financial hit um the other thing is is if we do go into another market we're going to go into it 100 percent. we're not going to just send like two people up there to start it we will send a team of people up there to start this thing so you're not going to go the route as some other recruiting personnel companies as a franchise right no no we won't we will we will send our own people up if we do do that so it's 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 still a possibility. Um, the, the way that I see us growing, um, it is it's it's definitely a foreseeable thing in the next three to five years. Well, you certainly keep the revenue inside the family when you open a company-owned store in a second location. Mm-hmm. I kind of think of uh, Stanley Steamer as one of the best uh, examples of a hybrid around, where uh, they own a great many of the stores, and there are other markets, places where they have franchisees that they established after they had a proven methodology and cash flow. Mm-hmm. So there, there are different ways to grow a business. Do, do you have a uh, strategic long-term plan for one, two, five years out? We don't. Like I was saying before, I mean, I don't have anything like in pa- on paper or just like here's where we're going to be next year, here's where we're going to be, you know, in 2015. Uh, I just, uh, we, we go with it. And part of being a small business owner is things change every single day. Mm-hmm. And one day we might have one, you know, we'll have an idea and just being like, we should really do this. You know, we should get into this market. And then the next week it completely changes. So what we've learned over the past couple, you know, couple of years is we have to be flexible uh, and we have to know, like, if, if we were going to go into something, we need to go into it, you know, at 100 percent. So, uh, you know, I would yeah. in the foreseeable future, like I told you before, we would love to double our staff. Um, I I. I definitely see that happening. We've moved into a new new office space where we can easily fit 20, 25 people now. Uh, where we used to be in a basement somewhere uh, with no windows or anything like that, no offices, no you know, no conference rooms. So well, it's better than starting in a garage. <laughs> Just a little bit, yeah. Well, it was definitely a step up from where we were in the well, apartment. You're in a really nice building now. Yeah, yeah, it's a great building. And you could put twice as many people into there. Absolutely. So we we definitely have the room to be able to grow. Um, there, there is an option too that we've been kicking around to have two offices in Cincinnati, maybe one in downtown, one in the north side where we are right now in Blue Ash. Mm-hmm. So, you know, downtown can, you know, help all of our clients, obviously in the downtown area in Northern Kentucky, and we can, you know, assist all of our clients here in the Blue Ash Northern part, uh, and then also up in the Dayton. Yeah, so there's a lot of merit to having a, a facility that's 
close enough, and with technology, you can certainly integrate the two together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you know Kyle is—he's putting a million miles on his car, and he, he is driving all around. And we have clients all the way down to you know the airport, and all the way up to Dayton. And he is going. And there's some there's some days where he has a meeting with a client up in Dayton, and then he has to follow up with a client down in you know Erling or Kentucky. Well, you gave him a company car, though, right? Well, kind of. <laughs> You pay him back for the mileage. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. If Kyle's listening, he'll he'll be hitting you up for a new Mercedes if he keeps doing such a good job. Well, yeah. Sure. Or will it be a Chevrolet Volta? Well, I, I think he likes the car that he has right now. So I, I don't think he's looking to trade it in at any time. So. Well, you put enough mileage on a car, it wears out. Yeah, absolutely, and and he's definitely putting the putting the miles in. So th- that's why we think it'd be a good idea to have maybe d- two different offices, you know, business developers and the one, downtown one, and business developers, and and also the uh, the, the blue ash one. And those so you, can. you have a balance now in your business, which is interesting. You have, uh, uh, let's call it eight guys and ladies mm-hmm. who are filling the jobs that one guy, Kyle, is finding to be filled. Mm-hmm. Is that the right balance? Uh, no, it isn't. That's why we're, we're, we are looking for uh, business developers right now to uh, you know help him out with the, uh, the finance and accounting side of things. And we've been interviewing people, just uh, nobody that we found to be the right fit with us culturally and kind of like what we're looking for. Um, but uh, he has, uh, he's done a good job. He's done a great job over the past you know, five years and, and a tribute to him is is he really busted hard during our down times in mm-hmm. 2009 and 2010 when we weren't bringing the business in, when we weren't getting the requisitions in. He was going out there and forming these business relationships with these people, knowing full well that we were going to come out of this recession. And when we did, they were going to have the job orders for us. And it happened. 2011, it just came flying in. And you know, if, if anybody listening, you know, wants wants to see the positions that we're working on right now, you go to our website, and Which is Aquarius Staffing dot com. So, and you can find out every you, you can see a list of all of our job opportunities, and and you know the, the current openings that we're working on right now. Good. So, uh, are there any last comments or thoughts you have about the positive side of doing business here in Cincinnati? You know, I, I the reason why I love Cincinnati is because it's a large city with a small town feeling, and and the other reason why I love Cincinnati is because people, it, it, not just Cincinnati but the Midwest in general and Ohio in general, people are true to Ohioans. Um, it's just uh, it's not what you get. You know, when I was living in D.C., you just don't get that feeling in D.C. or Baltimore. Those people are cutthroat. And, well, that's a big uh, city. It is a big city, but. You just don't have those Midwestern values, you know, just the simple things like, you know, letting people merge in the traffic or, you know, like opening doors for people, you know, just like the the niceties out there. And and that's what we have out here in Cincinnati. You have a lot of nice people, even when we're doing cold calls to people. You know, they don't slam the phone down here. They don't hang up on you like, you know, five seconds into the call. They'll at least let you get your point across and then, you know, politely say, no, I'm not interested. Whereas if you're out there, you know, they get the calls all the time, and they're just, you know, they might cuss you out or something. So, <laughs> you know, that's funny you mentioned it that way. Uh, mm-hmm. And I had to go into the district every single day, and I would have to fight traffic, and it would be an hour, hour and a half easy right. every day. One way. Oh, sure. And you got to wherever you were going, and you were beat. Brutal. Brutal. I, I mean, I would, I'd, I'd go to bed at like 830 at night every night just because I was just so... 
so tired from just fighting traffic all day. But yeah, back to Cincinnati. I mean, we don't. I mean, yeah, we have traffic here, but not that traffic. Yeah, twice you know, twice a year maybe. We just have nicer people, and hopefully, I'm not offending anybody. But it's just like it's just it, it's it's homier here, and it, it's a great place. This is a this is a great place. It's a big secret. Don't tell anyone how good it is to do business in Cincinnati. <laughs> right. This is the great, the greatest place I found in the country to do business. It's a lot of fun. I love it. The I people love it. Are great. Yeah, I, I, I'm about ninety nine percent sure that this is where I'm going to be the rest of my life. So. Hey, it's a great place. Mm-hmm. John, I'm going to be giving you a, a copy of Sandler's newest book, The Sandler Insights, Eleven Insights to, uh, to Sandler. That's made the number one uh, bestseller list on the Wall Street Journal. Excellent. And. Uh, I want to thank you again for appearing on the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Great. Now, if I can ask Scott to uh, to take it away and close the show out, Scott. Thanks for listening. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400.